Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. We're continuing our series on a flawless God using flawed people. And we're really happy that uh, God uses flawed people because every person in the Bible has some type of problem or flaw or issue that they have to deal with. And I'm afraid to say that's the case for us as well as humans on this earth. But God has chosen to use us within his plan, within his ways of doing things, and for that we're blessed. Today we want to look at Thomas. Yes, Doubting Thomas. And we want to consider what, how he served the Lord and uh, Perhaps maybe he's got a little bit of a bad knock being always called Doubting Thomas because he did make a pretty radical statement about Jesus Christ and who he was. Let's turn in your Bibles to John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. When the other disciples told him that they had seen the Lord, he declared, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My God, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. It's not good to have doubts in a spiritual life, but it is part of the Christian experience and a reality that we all have to face time to time. And Thomas had this difficulty as well. How would you like to have a relatively small role in the scriptures and yet to be known for a negative reason? And Thomas is known as the classic doubter. Whenever you say Thomas the doubter always comes, seems to come along with that name. But I'm not sure Thomas deserved quite as hard of knock as he gets. Because as we see today, the other disciples did not believe until they saw the Lord as well. Anyway, let's see what happens. In John chapter 20, verse 19, it says this, In the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. 
After this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. This is Resurrection Sunday. The disciples were huddled in a room. They had the doors locked. They were fearful of the Jews, scared that they were going to be next. Jesus was already killed, and that they would be the leaders, Jewish leaders would be looking for them next. And so they were trying to figure out where they were to go after this. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes in, and he's there with them, telling them to have peace, to trust in him, and giving them instruction. Well, this is a wonderful experience that they had, and they wanted to share that with Thomas, who we find out in verse 24 was not there. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. We don't know where Thomas was. It really doesn't matter. The key fact is that he didn't see Jesus in that first appearance. The disciples excitedly tell Thomas that we've seen the Savior. The other disciples said this, we have seen the Lord, we, he, they declared. Thomas responded, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where his nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas was firm that he had to have proof. It is interesting, though, he used the word unless, meaning that unless he can be proved otherwise, he will not believe. But he says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands. So it seems like Thomas wanted to believe, but yet his skepticism simply wouldn't let him go there. What was the personality of Thomas like? Well, we find a glimpse of Thomas back in chapter 11 of the book of John. And Jesus is getting ready to go to visit Lazarus, who has passed away. <clears throat> then Jesus said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve days of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees the world's light. It is when he walks by night he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let's go also that we may die with him. And you see here that Thomas has a deep devotion and commitment to Jesus Christ. He says, I'm willing to go anywhere with him, even to death. And Thomas was very much in touch with his feelings, and he could express them quite quickly through his words. He was unabashed in that uh, expression. But yet he had a twist of pessimism in his, in his heart as well, because just because they had to go to Judea didn't necessarily mean they all had to die, but that was kind of his conclusion 
or his take on the matter. But he was fiercely loyal to Jesus and spoke what he believed. Well, a week later, it says in verse 26, the disciples were in the house again. And Thomas this time was with them. The doors were locked. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Thomas, this whole week, from one, from the first, from one Sunday to the next Sunday, had to struggle with the fact, did Jesus really rise from the dead? I'm sure he wanted to believe that but he couldn't quite grasp it. And yet that would be one of the main discussions with him and the disciples as they would interact throughout the week. The disciples would talk about what Jesus said, talk about what his commands and instructions were for, for, him, for them. And Thomas would have to mull this over in his mind over and over throughout that week. And he struggled with that, I'm sure. The value in the struggling with an issue to a satisfying conclusion makes us earn our conviction. The value in struggling through an issue to a satisfying conclusion makes us earn our conviction. By struggling through an issue, working through it in detail, we work and have the blessing or the benefit of coming to a conviction, what we truly believe. But it takes effort and time to do that. There is value in working through and struggling through things that come across our path. Job, he had a very difficult time. He was a righteous man. He was a man that was serving God. And all of a sudden, within a day, his family, his flocks, his income, his job, his occupation, and eventually... Later on, his health was taken from him. And Job could not understand why this was happening to him. Because within Job's time, the thinking was, God is just. I'm a righteous man. God will bless the righteous and he'll judge the evil. Why am I facing these judgments? Why am I facing these uh, losses and Job could not understand. And he wrestled with God. He had doubts about God. He didn't know whether, uh, what way to turn or how to handle it. At one point he says in chapter 13, verse 3 of Job, I desire to speak to the Almighty and I will argue my case with God. I will stand before him and explain my position. And it wasn't until later on, until God spoke, that Job realized that God is sovereign and that we need to submit and to humble ourselves to God's rules, to God's ways. And it wasn't until Job heard the questions that God gave him and saw the, mag the, the magnificent God that he had did he finally come to realize, I submit. Naked I come into this world, naked I will leave. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He had to work through those doubts. What are some practical ways of dealing with our doubts? Well, prayer is certainly one. If we trust the Lord, we know he'll hear our prayers. And we can bring our doubts and, and deep prayer. We can come before God and say, why is this happening? What am I to do? 
will this be true? Can I accomplish that? And to take it to God in prayer and he will listen to us. We can also talk to a friend. There's nothing quite like sitting down with a coffee and talking over a friend with a, concerning an issue that we're struggling with and that we don't understand. And that friend can help us, encourage us along the way. We can read scripture. Scripture is inerrant. And we can trust the word that it addresses the, the, uh, the matter at, at hand. We can take it to the bank that we know that God will be true to his word. We can go to a counselor with some of our doubts and try to work it through with a professional individual. And sometimes it just takes plain time for us to mature as an individual as well as mature in our walk to try to understand how and why these things are happening to us. In verse 27, Jesus says to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And here we find Jesus speaking to Thomas, not in a condemning way, but rather in a kind, compassionate, respectful way. Jesus bends down to meet us at our weakest points. He does not shun us just because we are struggling. He draws us to us. Sarah Young, in her devotional book, Jesus Calling, says this, Trust me and don't be afraid. Many things feel out of control. Your routines are not running smoothly. You tend to feel more secure when your life is predictable. Let me lead you to the rock that is higher than you in your circumstances. Take refuge in the shelter of my wings where you are absolutely secure. When you are shaken out of your comfortable routines, grip my hand tightly and look for growth opportunities. Instead of bemoaning the loss of your comfort, accept the challenge of something new. I lead you on from glory to glory, making you fit for my kingdom. Say yes to the ways I work in your life. Trust me and don't be afraid. Thomas really had no right to demand from Jesus proof that he had indeed rose from the dead. Jesus had said on numerous times the fact that he would rise again and to be watching for him. But yet whenever, whenever we cry out to God, Jesus will reveal himself in some manner. Though we need to perhaps look for it and be aware of it, Jesus will respond to the cry of the heart. Jesus desires to chase away our unbelief, which is our greatest foe in our Christian walk. Jesus said, stop doubting and believe. There's no reason to doubt. I'm here. I'm alive. And start believing. And that word believing is in the present continuous form, meaning that Thomas believed now and keep on believing forever that I am who I say I am. Thomas is just absolutely amazed. And his response is, Thomas says to him, my Lord and my God. He's overwhelmed. And this is an amazing statement. No one in scripture has actually said this in this manner. None of the other disciples have made this claim, my Lord and my God. And Thomas knew that Jesus had to be God because no mere man 
could rise from the dead. And Jesus knew who he was. Jesus had to be Lord first and then his God. And Thomas acknowledged that right off. Jesus met Thomas's skepticism where he needed it. And he will do that with each individual. He will meet our skepticism, our questions, our doubts, the things we don't understand personally. He doesn't give us a generic fordom for us to all work through, but rather he deals with our own inconsistencies and our own deficiencies in our personalities and within our minds. And he meets us where we are. There's a show on the history station called American Pickers. And I really enjoy watching that. They go, these two guys go around, they buy various antiques from people. And one of the most difficult buys they make, they say, is when they come across something that's one of a kind, because they have nothing to compare that item against. And that's what Jesus does for us. We're one of a kind with him. He personally speaks to us in our pain. He speaks to us in our confusion, in the fog of disappointment, and in the crush of dis- in disillusionment. He doesn't condemn us, but rather he guides us into new light. When the disciples were going across the Sea of Galilee and a storm came up, Jesus went out, walked on the water and went out to meet them. And when Peter realized that that was Jesus walking towards them in the, on the water, Peter boldly got up and said, Jesus, can I come out to meet you? Jesus said, certainly, come on out. Peter climbed out of the boat and he just had his eyes on Jesus and he began walking on water. Amazing, what faith. But then Peter began to look around. He looked at the wind, he looked at the high waves, he felt the storm and he thought, I can't do this. And he took his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink. And the Lord reached out and grabbed Peter and took him back into the boat. And that's the way that the Lord does with us when we lose faith, when we find that doubts can creep into our minds. Jesus reaches out a hand, not to hit us, but to help us and to draw us closer to him. John the Baptist, when he was in prison, he knew that Jesus was going around and still doing miracles. And he knew Jesus could do anything. And yet here he was, stuck in prison. He didn't understand. He had doubts of why. Had Jesus forgotten him? He sent two of his disciples to Jesus to ask him, Why? Are you truly the Christ, the Messiah we were to expect? And Jesus takes John's questions seriously. He tells the disciples, Look around you. Tell John that you see people being healed. You hear the gospel being preached. The lame are walking. The blind see. Tell, G- tell John the truth. And Jesus took John's questions seriously. And he answered them with credible evidence that the disciples could take back to John. How do we work through our doubts? It's a tough job. Do we have to have all the answers? Do we have to have it all figured out? in our minds intellectually? No. Do we have to work in ourselves faith, build up faith in ourselves, try to really work at it through our own strength and, and uh, just put ourselves through 
agony trying to build up that fact of faith in our walk? No. Faith comes from God. Rather, it's by accepting Jesus Christ, his claims of who he is, and having a mustard seed of faith. It says in Scripture that a mustard seed of faith can move mountains. All we need to do is have enough faith to put the next foot forward in following Christ. All we have to do is have a mustard seed of faith to trust him at his word and to follow it. Verse 29, Jesus told Thomas, Because you have seen me, you believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. In John 17, John, Jesus prayed for himself, the disciples, and future believers as he was preparing to leave the disciples. And those future believers are you and me. And Jesus says, we are blessed because we have believed without seeing. Thomas and the other disciples were convinced because they did see. But we believe without seeing. And that is our joy. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is first the Christ, second the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So Jesus is saying there, we're to believe three things. The purpose of this book is to prove three things. That Jesus is the Christ, he is the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And all we need is a mustard seed of faith. And you may today may not know Jesus as your personal Savior. All you need is a mustard seed of faith to enter into that relationship. You just need enough faith to pray a prayer to call out to God and ask them to forgive you for your sin and to accept you and to enter into his kingdom. And for us who are believers, we just need that mustard seed of faith in our times when doubts come up to take that step to believe God's word to believe that God will meet our needs and that he is worthy of our faith. Thanks for listening and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com. There's no